Welcome everyone to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone. Thanks for joining us today as we wrap up this OTA takeaway series we've been doing. Just sort of a catch up on where offenses are at and what you need to know after mini camps. And don't worry, we save the best for last because today we're going to be chatting about my bills and the rest of the AFC East too, as well as the AFC North. Why not? We got to get to all the teams. If you want to go back, if you want to hear my takeaways, my off-season thoughts on the rest of the teams around the league, you can go back and listen to the last three episodes, or I guess it's technically the last four episodes because we mixed in the must-have players episode in there too, which you definitely should check out. That was from late last week. Go back, listen to those. All right, let's get into it and let's start with the Bills. Plenty of drama in Buffalo this week. Stefan Diggs not participating in the first practice of the week, made tons of headlines, was the lead on every show, Twitter going crazy, and then Diggs shows up to practice the next day. And we still don't know what the actual issue was. There was lots of speculation. I'm not going to delve into that until we actually know for sure. I'm also not convinced that this is the end of the Diggs drama because we know he's not afraid to speak his mind. We know that he's not afraid to act out, which is okay as long as it gets resolved, as long as they communicate and they get to a point where everyone's back on the same page. And right now, for the time being, they are. So we're going to keep monitoring it. My guess is the Bills are going to have to talk it out with him some more over the summer. But ultimately, Diggs is going to be out there for week one. He's going to be on the Bills roster in a Bills jersey. Do not panic. He's going to be a high-end wide receiver one for fantasy again. Gabe Davis, he's locked into the number two receiver spot, and he's still in the wide receiver three flex mix. There's still some upside there. Lots of talk that maybe injuries were part of the problem for him last season. So I like him as well. And then the number three job is going to come down to a camp battle. It's going to be Deontay Hardy, Khalil Shakir, and Trent Sherfield. Not sure if any of them are going to see enough targets to really be a weekly fantasy starter. That's probably not going to happen unless we see an injury to Diggs or Davis. And part of the reason too for that is that the rookie tight end, Dalton Kincaid, is there now. And Kincaid reportedly looking really comfortable, according to the beat writers. Still a long way to go for a rookie tight end, but I have Kincaid as a low-end tight end one. He's the tight end 12 in my rankings at the moment for 2023. You're chasing upside there. You have to know that when it's a rookie tight end, there's a pretty significant floor too, but you should be chasing upside when it comes to these late round tight ends. And this is setting up to be one of the exceptions to that rookie rule. So I am more than willing to grab Kincaid and make him my tight end this season. And if you're really that worried, you go and you get another guy. There's plenty of late round targets. You could pair up a couple of them and hope that one of them hits for you. And then in the backfield for Buffalo, the more I work on my projections, the more I like Damian Harris as a sleeper. The touchdown potential is huge. Now, that's assuming that the team does, in fact, convince Josh Allen to give up some of those goal line carries. And based on what we've seen from them this offseason, it sure seems like that's the plan. Harris, Latavius Murray bringing in these bigger bodies like that who can take over in the short yardage areas that could help keep Allen healthy as the year goes along. And Harris has the shot to be the Jamal Williams this season. He could be that kind of fantasy asset, not huge yardage but that really robust touchdown total. And you can get him in the 10th round right now. That's incredible value. It's better value than even James Cook is. James Cook going a little bit earlier, few rounds before him. Both guys are cheap enough that you can grab shares of each. Cook for sure has a higher ceiling, but he's got to prove that he can get it done between the tackles. And with the addition of Harris and Murray, I'm not so sure the Bills are convinced that he can be that big volume guy. And I'm projecting more of a split in the backfield regardless with one of the power guys. And Harris is probably going to be that one as long as he's healthy. And then Cook being the more explosive weapon there. I'll also say that 
I doubt Dalvin Cook is going to sign in Buffalo. I know people have mentioned them as a potential landing spot, but there's a couple of reasons for it. One, because the Bills don't have a lot of cap space and what they did have, they spent mostly on defense this offseason. And then two, because I can't see him blocking his brother's opportunity. So Dalvin, to me, seems Miami bound. It's just a matter of time. Unless something changes in another backfield, like J.K. Dobbins holding out, which we'll talk about him missing OTAs in a minute, or the Bengals maybe changing their mind on Joe Mixon due to his off-field situation. We'll hit on that when we get to the AFC North too. Probably unlikely on both fronts there. And so Dalvin to the Dolphins, it just makes too much sense. And right now, Miami's backfield is full but they don't have an established star. Raheem Mostert, shockingly, he stayed healthy last year and he was good. Don't get me wrong. We know he can deliver in this system. He's got that incredible speed, but he's 31 years old and he still has the durability concerns, even though he held up last season. Now, Jeff Wilson, he's going to be his usual old self, not going to add much in terms of value, but the coaches love him. And yes, he can get the job done. And then the wild card is Devon A-Chain, who's undersized, but he doesn't play like it. And He's got that same kind of game-breaking speed that Mostert gives you. So A-Chain also getting a ton of hype from coaches and teammates and beat writers. And that's what you like to see, even though, I mean, lots of running backs are impressing this time of year because guys aren't in pads. So when you see a guy with a ton of speed getting the ball and breaking upfield, it looks really impressive to onlookers. But the next test is going to be whether he can keep that going when they're in full pads come training camp in the preseason. And don't get me wrong, I like A-Chain as an upside play, but this backfield would look a lot better if Dalvin Cook was on top of that depth chart. And this is one of the few teams that actually still could use a real starting running back. Plus Cook's from the area. I mean, I talked about all these things before, so hopefully eventually he's going to lower his demands and they can get a deal to happen. If not, I'll be drafting A-Chain a lot and trying to capitalize on his upside in this system. The only other thing to talk about with the Dolphins offense is the number three receiver battle, and it's not particularly fantasy relevant, but I'll mention it anyway. Chosen Anderson, formerly known as Robbie Anderson, he's been looking good according to beat writers. He might be a little re-energized now that he's with a new team. He's in South Beach. Seems like he's the leader in the clubhouse for that number three role, but he's going to be battling with Cedric Wilson, with Braxton Berrios. And with the sophomore, Eric Izukama, who actually, he got some praise in offseason practices too. He's a name that I've stashed in a couple deep dynasty leagues. The problem in Miami, and I kind of alluded to this, is that with so much of the passing attack focused on Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell and the rushing game, the tight ends, they really aren't a factor in target share. And the number three receiver isn't really a big factor. They kind of have sporadic production. So it's not a spot that you're looking to find value in redraft leagues. Over to the Patriots. Now, we're all waiting on DeAndre Hopkins. Where is he going to sign? Will he end up inking a deal with New England? He visited the Titans earlier in the week, and then he spent the last couple days with the Pats, and all signs are pointing to a marriage with the Patriots, though we never know how much of the reporting being done is just coming from you know agents and front offices, and they're just trying to sway the negotiations one way or another. Apparently, the Titans made an offer to D-Hop. Apparently, both meetings in Tennessee and New England went well, but you don't often hear about free agent visits going poorly, right? So for the moment, I'm operating under the expectation that New England is the heavy favorite to get him with the Titans and maybe even the Bills being longer shots. And that's what the betting odds are saying too. Those are the top three teams right now. But really, there's no rush on this for Hopkins. We're entering sort of a bit of a dead zone in terms of the NFL calendar. So he can let this play out. He could take a couple more visits if he wants to, see if a market develops for him, see if somebody else is going to offer him maybe a little bit more. 
New England would be a decent landing spot because it's a place where he would be the unquestioned number one receiver. It would also make someone like Mac Jones a little more interesting as a deep sleeper at quarterback. And Jones, I think right now he's just enjoying the presence of a real offensive coordinator because you have Bill O'Brien there after what he had to deal with with Matt Patricia and Joe Judge last season. It's quite the boost for the whole offense, really. But overall, there isn't a lot to get excited about fantasy-wise in New England other than Ramondre Stevenson, and we've talked about him a million times. I'm not worried about Ty Montgomery. He's not going to take away enough targets to make a difference in Stevenson's fantasy outlook. We're talking about a guy here in Stevenson that finished with the third most receptions among running backs last year behind only CMC and Austin Eckler. He was sixth in receiving yards among running backs, and really, That's what helped him get into that top 12 for his fantasy finish. And he's right there again in my rankings. And I like Pierre Strong as the backup to roster there. He showed some flashes last season, had limited duty, but still looked good when he got out there. And he was getting most of the work with the backups this week in practice after they let James Robinson go. Kevin Harris, if we're talking about really deep dynasty leagues, a little bit of appeal with him, maybe a little sign of hope, a little faint heartbeat that he could get in there at some point. But Strong would get the first crack at it if Stevenson went down. And I will say before we move on here to something else, James Robinson, to go from a UDFA to becoming a star to an Achilles just derailing your career Hopefully we see him get back to form as time goes on, like what happened with Deonta Foreman and Cam Akers. And after, you know, a couple of years go by and all of a sudden they find their game again, but some guys never get back there. And I actually dropped Robinson for Travion Williams in one dynasty league this week. That's kind of how little I'm thinking of Robinson at the moment in terms of his fantasy appeal. So I think that was the last share of Robinson I had to, just to give you an idea kind of where I'm at with him. So I'm hoping for the best. I wish him a great career. I want to see him get back on track, but definitely have some concerns. As for the receiving core in New England, Tyquan Thornton, he was getting some buzz in mini camp, second round pick from last year, has a ton of speed, but I have a hard time getting behind him just as anything more than a dart throw. And I'm really staying away from the New England pass catchers because of the uncertainty with D-Hop, that's hanging over everything, but also because I just don't love Juju or Devontae Parker or Mike Gusecki. At this stage of their careers, I don't think they give you that fantasy ceiling that you're looking for. They're nice depth to fill out the offense in real life. I think they're roster cloggers in fantasy. I don't like talking negatively about guys like that, but really... I don't think they're going to come through for you in fantasy this year. I would rather take shots on guys that I think have more upside. Let's go to the Jets where things are at least a little more interesting. The Aaron Rodgers arrival, a lot of excitement in New York, just positive vibes all around. Couple injury scares kind of got people worried a little bit over the last week or two. Aaron Rodgers here at his ankle and OTAs. Alan Lazard left at one point, but it turned out that he just took a groin shot. So eventually he got back out there. He was fine. Brees Hall, that's the real injury that we're watching that could impact things. And he's trying to come back from the ACL tear last October. By all accounts, he's doing really well. Now, he didn't participate in OTAs, but Robert Salas said very positive things that he's on track, that he's doing really well. And the nature of this injury, it should give him a good chance to be out there in week one. We don't know whether that's going to be with a full workload. I kind of doubt that. So maybe that's why the Jets were rumored to be interested in Dalvin Cook. I don't see that happening. I mean, from the sounds of it, the rookie Israel Benacanda is looking really good in OTAs. But again, I mean, I always put the caveat that running backs tend to look really good when there's no tackling out there. So I like to Benacanda in the pre-draft process. 
The landing spot was unfortunate because he's now trapped behind Brees Hall for a few years, but maybe he'll earn some touches early in the season if Hall's recovery is delayed or if the team limits his snaps. Either way, Abanacanda should be on your radar as a late round pick in redraft. I'll also shout out Jeremy Ruckert. This is more of a dynasty guy, but the second year tight end in New York, he dealt with some injuries last season, didn't do much because of it. He was also stuck behind Tyler Conklin and CJ Uzoma. He's still stuck behind those guys, but Ruckert was really impressive in practice and Uzoma suffered a leg injury that sidelined him for the rest of OTAs. We don't know the extent of that yet. I saw people speculating that they didn't think it was a serious season ending issue, but we don't know for sure. Ruckert really could eventually step into that Uzoma spot either this season or at the latest, I would say next year. I don't see him overtaking Ty Conklin right now, though, and Conklin's somebody, I highlighted him in my Sleepers article yesterday, he's been overachieving the last couple years, you look back at 2021, that was his final season with the Vikings, Irv Smith got hurt, kind of opened the door for Conklin, and he quietly finished as the tight end 17 overall in half PPR scoring, that was a 61 catch, 593 yard, three touchdown campaign, he had the 10th most receptions, had the 14th most yards among all players at his position, And then in his first season with the Jets last year, kind of does it again. He overcomes rocky quarterback play, finishes as the tight end 16 overall, 58 grabs, 552 yards, another three touchdowns. And once again, that placed him among the top 12 tight ends in receptions and yards. Now he gets the Rodgers upgrade at quarterback. So Conklin sat out OTAs. We're going to have to watch to make sure he's healthy, but he's definitely a name to remember at the end of your drafts. Moving along here into the AFC North, Baltimore Ravens. It's hard to take much away from the Ravens practices because there were just so many guys sitting out with injuries. Rashad Bateman was out there at the start of OTAs, and then he had to get a cortisone shot in his foot and he sat out the rest. We found out from John Harbaugh that it was because Bateman had some screws removed after the surgery that he had. So not ideal for Bateman, but could have been worse. And he should be ready to go for training camp, though. It's one we're going to have to monitor. I'm still drafting him. And if anything, you might get even more of a discount since he wasn't out there during practices and generating headlines, right? I can't wait, though, to see all these receivers on the field at the same time. And we're going to have to wait now until July and August. But Bateman... Odell Beckham, Zay Flowers, Mark Andrews, Isaiah Likely, just an awesome group for Lamar Jackson to work with. And that's why he was one of our must-have players for 2023, right? And don't be surprised if he's up there pushing Josh Allen and Mahomes and Jalen Hurts for that quarterback one overall fantasy spot this year. Even though Lamar recently did speak about how he expects that he's going to throw more this year, that he'll probably run a little less, but all that could be offset by the pass game just being unlocked by Todd Monken and the new offensive coordinator that they have there. And just when you think the contract issues are over now that Lamar's got his new deal, everything's fine, running back J.K. Dobbins, he's sitting out, apparently he's upset with his contract and There isn't really much behind Dobbins on this depth chart. Gus Edwards, he's been banged up the last couple years with a torn ACL and a concussion and a hamstring issue. He's expected to be ready for training camp. And I know some people thought maybe Dalvin Cook could be an option with the Ravens, but Cook has the same agent as Dobbins. So I doubt that he's going to get in there. I just, I find the Dobbins situation kind of weird because Unlike some of the other backs who are pushing for new deals, Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley's of the world, Dobbins hasn't done that much as a pro. He's talented for sure, but he's been hurt. So maybe the team's going to give him a small bump. I don't expect there to be a big contract in the works for him. 
even though he's probably on the verge of a real breakout season with the Ravens offense on the rise, the new weapons, the new offensive coordinator. Another guy looking for a new deal is Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. I don't think he's going to have any trouble. The team's reportedly already working on a deal as we speak, and it's only a matter of time before he's going to get paid. Burrow already established himself as one of the best quarterbacks in the league for sure. In the backfield for the Bengals at the moment, doesn't appear as though they're going to move on from Joe Mixon, despite the talk earlier in the offseason that made it seem like that was a possibility. Now, he does go to pretrial on June 29th, so I guess it's still possible that some details could come out. It could change the public perception about the situation, could put pressure on the team and the league to do something. But Mixon was at OTAs, seemed like business as usual. I tentatively right now have him as the RB16. He still has RB1 fantasy potential in this offense, so we're going to have to watch closely. I recommend following our buddy Drew Davenport over at Football Guys. You can follow him on Twitter uh, at Drew Davenport FF. He does a great job breaking down all the legal stuff, and I'm sure he'll be all over it when we get new details there. And as much as I like Chase Brown and Travion Williams, who I mentioned I picked up earlier, I like those guys as stashes. If something changes with Mixon and he's not in the Bengals' plans, they for sure are going to bring in somebody else. Look at one of these veteran free agents that are out there. Would be a great landing spot for Dalvin Cook in that scenario, but also Leonard Fournette, Ezekiel Elliott, Kareem Hunt. There's lots of names that they could look to who are out there and available on the market still. Last thing on Cincy, I'll say too, keep an eye on Irv Smith. He's a sleeper tight end in this offense, but just remember, three quality receivers It is very hard for a tight end to put up consistent fantasy production when those guys are going to command so much volume. So we saw with CJ Uzama when he was on the Bengals, Hayden Hurst when he was in this offense, they both had to deal with it. They have some blow up games, but overall they aren't great fantasy starts. It's hard to trust them week to week. So I'm skeptical about Smith blowing up, barring some injuries to that receiving core. But he is someone that has the talent. He's a great receiver. And if he could stay healthy, the possibility is there for him to finally put it all together. Now we'll jump over to the other team in Ohio, the Browns. I'm warming up to this offense in 2023. They're reportedly opening up the passing attack more. It makes sense with all the weapons they have from Amari Cooper to Elijah Moore to David Njoku, Donovan Peoples-Jones, the rookie Cedric Tillman. They brought in the speedy veteran Marquise Goodwin. They're also in the running for DeAndre Hopkins still. They've been rumored to be courting him. Deshaun Watson maybe trying to reconnect after they had the time together in Houston. They know each other well, but even without Hopkins, this is a very talented pass catching core. So I'm drafting Cooper, Moore, and Njoku. I want those guys for sure, especially Moore, who was really one of the biggest offseason winners. He escapes New York where they seem to sour on him, goes to Cleveland where he's just been a focal point of the passing attack in practice. And don't forget, he flashed top 20 fantasy upside for a pretty good stretch in his rookie season. If he gets the volume, he could absolutely explode. And then in the backfield there, Nick Chubb, he's positioned for a big year. Kareem Hunt finally out of the way. But Jerome Ford is going to be involved, and he's reportedly impressing people in the organization. The team believes that he's ready for a much bigger role as a sophomore. And if Hunt was able to produce RB3 numbers while he was sharing the the backfield with Chubb, Ford, I think, has a chance to put up at least flex numbers in that role while also being one of the more interesting one injury away back. So I'm scooping him up in the later rounds. I love the value there. And then let's finish off today. We'll talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers, the last team after we've covered them all. Pretty uneventful offseason for the Steelers offense. 
they stuck with Matt Canada at offensive coordinator. And I think that was an interesting choice. Should we put it that way? I mean, it's not what I would have done, but Pittsburgh, they like to give their coaches a lot of runway and I trust Mike Tomlin. So maybe he sees something that we don't. It sure looked like Canada was holding this group back though, but the offensive line was definitely a problem last year. The quarterback play too. So they addressed the offensive line in the off season and they hope that they're going to get improved play from their young guys like Kenny Pickett at quarterback, like a George Pickens at receiver. Tomlin, he actually delivered a really good speech. You should go look for it online. Talk to the team recently and talked about expectations and how they increase the longer that you've been with a team and that they need guys to take their game to the next level. And it can't get much worse for Pickett. I mean, last year he failed to post more than one passing touchdown in any of his outings last year. He certainly takes some of the blame for this offense struggling, but he was pretty clutch at times too. Shout out to the scores, Daniel Valente. He had a nice tweet outlining that. So I think we're going to see better play from Pickett this season. He's going to settle in. He's going to have a full offense offseason as a pro and he's going to get to play behind an upgraded offensive line now Pickens he's a polarizing fantasy player some people love him some people want to crush him all the time but I'm in on Pickens as a breakout guy and yes that's acknowledging that he might be a little overrated because of the highlight reel grabs and people put too much emphasis on that but also he put up top 40 fantasy numbers on a per game basis over his last 14 contests last year despite the bad quarterbacking so If Pickett steps up, this offense will rise with him, and that includes Pickens. I will also caution before we move on that one of the concerns fantasy-wise in Pittsburgh is going to be the pecking order and how many targets are the lower-end guys going to vulture. I mean, for example, Allen Robinson is there now. I think Allen Robinson is dust, but if he soaks up 50, 60 targets... That could cap the upside of someone like Pat Fryermuth at tight end. And I also think Fryermuth's going to have to deal with the rookie tight end, Darnell Washington, stealing some red zone looks from him. So I'm having a harder time drafting Fryermuth. That's something that you start to realize when you're getting more into these drafts. You start to figure out which guys you rarely take. And Fryermuth, for me, is one of those guys. But I still really like Deontay Johnson. I still really like George Pickens. I think they're wide receiver threes with wide receiver two potential in 2023. And that, my friends, is all for today's show and all for this OTA takeaway series that we've done. Hopefully you feel like you're caught up on the big news and all the little tidbits that we learned in the offseason and in these mini camps. And if you want more, you know, you can go to the score. You can check out my breakouts, my sleepers. Those columns are already up. My rankings, my trade value charts, all that stuff's available for free over at the score. Now, I will be back next week, but until then... This is an odd one, but I want to say big thanks to Charlie Brooker and Annabelle Jones. You probably don't know who they are. They have nothing to do with football, but they're involved in making Black Mirror. They're the creators, the showrunners there. And this isn't an ad by any means. It's just me giving some love to one of my favorite series because it came back for a fifth season this week. Every episode's like a movie, super thought-provoking. Some of them are just going to mess with your mind. I can't get enough of it. I've only watched one episode of the new season so far, but I highly recommend it if you get a chance and if you haven't already. And if you're not into that, I also recently started watching Tim Robinson's show. This one's a little bit older, but it's called The Detroiters, and it's a goofy comedy. So if you liked his show, I think you should leave, which is sort of like a cult favorite on Netflix. I guarantee you're going to like the Detroiters as well. So I guess big thanks to Black Mirror and their crew. Big thanks to Tim Robinson and everybody who helps make his shows. And big thanks to everybody out there for listening. And we'll see you next time. Said leave on time. My baby said leave on time. Leave on time with me.
Ordinária.